0: You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 76. And today, ladies, we are continuing on with our talk on the four women's cancers. And today we're going to look at gynecological cancers. So if you like this episode, please take a moment and go over and give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us to rank up. Or snap a photo shot of this episode and put it on your Instagram stories. Or come on over and join us at Well Woman Network 360 over on Facebook. It's our private Facebook group. So contact us and come on join us in all three places. That would just greatly bless my heart. So let's get in and talk to today about our episode on gynecological cancers and see what we have in store for us today. All right, come on, let's dive on in. Well Woman. It's time for a new perspective on women's health. A time to understand that your greatest wealth is your health. A time to make self care your number one priority. A time to recognize that good health is the only way to live your best life and do all that you can in this world. So, join me on this journey where we'll explore women's health topics from a medical provider's viewpoint. Have conversations about everyday healthy lifestyle options and enjoy interviews with other Well Women we can all learn from. It's time to demystify women's health and learn practical ways to apply self-care to every part of our lives. This is the Well Woman Lifestyle Podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Broad, Certified Women's and Adult Nurse Practitioner, daughter, wife, mother, and all-out women's health enthusiast. So you ready to start the journey? Let's go. All right. And welcome back to another episode, ladies. So today is part number two and we are continuing on with our discussion of the four types of women's cancers. And today I'm going to talk to you about gynecological cancers, and then we're going to go into vulvar and vaginal cancers. And then I'm going to talk to you because I get asked so much of the time, You know, how does sugar affect cancer? Because we find a lot of people after they go through cancer, you know, take 120, 180 degree turn and get really healthy. You know, unfortunately, I wish that it didn't take, you know, something as devastating as cancer to get people to, you know, turn around and um, see the light on getting healthy. But sometimes that's what it does. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of info on that. So let's get started here. All right, so gynecological types of cancers, they can pretty much, you know, devastate, like I said, a woman's lifestyle, and they can be a threat to our lives, just like I talked about last week in breast cancer. However, just like breast cancer, if they're caught early, most gynecological cancers can be treated successfully. Some can be prevented or having the risk of contracting them greatly reduced by taking proper precautions. So today, what I want to talk to you about are the three different types of gynecological cancers, and those include cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine, or endometrial cancer. So the first one is cervical cancer. Cervical cancer is found at the entrance of your uterus and can be symptom-free most of the time and only discovered through a pap test or if you have bleeding or any other thing like that. If symptoms do appear, they're likely to be in the form of pain or, like I just said, irregular bleeding. Current medical belief is that cervical cancer is caused by having contracted the sexually transmitted virus, the human papillomavirus. Okay and this has been a big culprit and a big discussion um, for the last I think about what fifteen years, and now we do re- we do regular HPV testing on most women. however, there are women who have developed cervical cancer that have not had the virus, okay, and those who do get the human papilloma virus don't always necessarily develop cervical cancer. sorry I blinked out there for a second, so you can have HPV because there's different um, strands of HPV. There's low risk HPV and there's high risk HPV. And depending on which strand you have, things are going to be different. And depending on how old you are, things are going to be different. And the landscape around HPV virus has changed greatly over the last five years. So you have to talk to your medical provider about what your choices are for you to do. But a big cause of cervical cancer is indeed the human peploma virus. It is one of the most prevalent STDs out there, and it has been for a long time. Chlamydia used to be the number one, and HPV has taken over the ranks for like the last 10 years probably since I've been practicing. So if you do have HPV, you just need to make sure that you're getting pap smears done a lot more frequently than somebody who hasn't, all right? The recognized and contributing factors are quite diverse, and no single one is a specific determinant. They are simply correlations made from a database of affected women. For this reason, it is important to undertake testing at the recommended intervals, okay? Cervical cancer is more prevalent among women who are sexually active at an early age, They smoke, they have experienced long periods of mental stress, Uh, there's that word again, stress, have a weakened immune system, and they engage in unprotected sex with numerous sexual partners, and obesity. And the reason for obesity, and you're going to see obesity um, mentioned in all of the female cancers, is because if when you have more excess body weight, you have more estrogen in your system. And estrogen is a proliferator. So it helps to proliferate things in the body, and it can proliferate cancer cells if they are present. So treatments for cervical cancer depend on the stage at which it's diagnosed. Some treatment plans might include Chemotherapy surgery, radiation, and other innovative options. Okay. Included in the treatment plan should be methods to keep up your energy, your strength, and your quality of life. So over 11,000 women in America are diagnosed with, with cervical cancer each year. And it's good to know that the survival rate for cervical cancer is very good if the disease is detected early. So what does that mean? It means being proactive, being your number one self-care advocate, Or like I talked about on my interview podcast at Max Potential Habits, being the CEO of your own health. That is very, very important. So get your screening tests done as recommended by your age or by your personal medical history, how it warrants. Next is ovarian cancer. So women who develop ovarian cancer often have no signs or symptoms until the cancer has spread. Ovarian cancer is much more difficult to treat in the later stages, so it's imperative that it's caught early on. Okay? So here's a couple things that that are predeterminants possibly to ovarian cancer. Age. Ovarian cancer is usually found in women over the age of 55. Overweight. Just talked about that. Body fat contributes to your risk of developing ovarian cancer due to the extra estrogen load. Family history. If your family history includes women who are who have contracted breast or ovarian cancer, they, if they have it, you may be at a higher risk. Genetic factors, the mutation of the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes raise your risk of ovarian cancer as well as um, non-polyposis colorectal cancer. Um, so if you, have a, if you have a family member, first degree, who had um, either breast cancer or ovarian cancer, and they were premenopausal, You may want to get genetic testing to find out if your mom or your aunt or your grandparents or anybody like that, grandmothers, have the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene. And if they do, then you want to be tested as well. Last is children. If you've had children, your risk is reduced. And the reason that having children reduces a woman's risk, all of a woman's risk for any kind of um, cancer, is because when you have periods... You know, when you're having periods, you make hormones. But when you are pregnant, your ovaries are shut off, and you're not producing estrogen, you're just producing progesterone. So your cycles are interrupted for periods of time nine months. So you know you're you're not ovulating, you're not having cycles, so your body's getting a break from that um, exposure of your hormones also, Using um, sometimes hormonal replacement therapy for some women, depending on what you're using, um, using talc and exposure to fertility drugs may also increase a woman's chance to develop ovarian cancer over her lifetime. So some symptoms of ovarian cancer because like I said, they can be very subtle or they can be non-existent especially in the early stage they can be they're very vague um, and even later on, sometimes you don't really put together the um, the symptoms as ovarian cancer. So they can include weight loss, loss of appetite, um, bloating on, you know, getting bigger on one side than the other, pain in the abdomen or pelvic regions, um, frequent urination. Okay, now that one you have to kind of don't go freaking out that if you have UTIs because there's different, it's because when the ovaries are getting larger, if they get enlarged with the cancer, it just presses on the bladder. So these are just things, ladies, that you just have to kind of, you know, be thinking about. Back pain and fatigue, or even sometimes unexplained um, bleeding, even especially as you're getting older and you have postmenopausal bleeding, these are things to look out for too. So some of the treatments for ovarian cancer, um, chemotherapy, radiation, and they now have complementary therapies such as acupuncture, meditation, and massage to lessen the side effects of these treatments. And those complementary therapies go along with any type of cancer, Okay, because they're, they are now treating the other side. So if you go to like the city of hope, or if you go to, um, cancer, cancer centers of America, they have a whole team approach to cancer. So it's not just giving somebody chemo and radiation, whatever that is part of it, but it's also treating the other side of it, the lifestyle side of it, keeping you comfortable, keeping your immune system up. Getting your family involved because it's a whole cancer is a whole process. It doesn't just affect you as you know um, it affects your family, your friends, and everything else like that. So having you know them as part of your treatment option and plan is a great thing too. All right, so now let's move into endometri uterine or endometrial cancer. So uterine cancer is also caused is also called endometrial cancer and it may affect you by attacking the cell lining, which is the endometrium of your uterus. So, women at risk include those who are overweight, as we just mentioned, or begin their periods at an earlier age. And the reason for this is because, like I just said, um, your body is exposed to more estrogen over a longer period of time. So, if you start having periods very early, you tend to have you tend to have more exposure to that estrogen because you're starting to have that hormonal ther- that hormonal response earlier. And if you don't have children, you're also at a higher risk because you have never had those interrupted um, cycles in your lifetime. So some symptoms of uterine or endometrial cancer include um, include bleeding between periods, um, vaginal bleeding after menopause in older women. And uterine cancer is very treatable and methods may include surgery, um, chemotherapy, radiation, biologic therapy, and or hormone therapy. So there's different things. So ladies, lowering your chances of developing gynecological cancers um, happen by taking certain precautions and changing your lifestyle is the best way to ensure that you will never have to deal with these devastating types of cancers. But again, like I, I always stress, you know, just being healthy doesn't mean that you're never going to get cancer in your lifetime. But if you are healthy going into any of these things, the better you are going through them and the better off you are going to be on the outside. On the aftermath of coming out of them, discovering precancerous conditions at the earliest stage, um, choosing risk-reducing surgeries to keep cancer from even beginning, and making definite changes in your lifestyle, such as quit smoking if you smoke, decrease your drinking if you drink, um, you know, start eating healthier, having a better, uh, you know, healthier lifestyle altogether will help you control your own destiny and avoid a cancer diagnosis. Remember, I talked about before genetics loads the gun and we pull the trigger. So I want you to always think about that in the back of your mind, okay? It's awareness that is a very good preventative strategy. I love awareness and I love knowledge because knowledge is also another preventative strategy. But even though you have the knowledge and even though you have the awareness, you have to put those things into action. We talked about that before in the podcast too, that knowledge without action is simply knowledge. It does nothing. So now let's talk about vaginal and vulvar cancers. Okay. The good news is that vaginal and vulvar cancers, ladies, are very rare and are usually in younger women. It tends to manifest itself on the vulva area as a sore or lump, and it can cause itching. Okay. Again, here we're talking about exposure to the human papillomavirus virus can increase the risk of these type of cancers in women. With the HPV, there are different types of HPV that you can get. You can get them just outside on the vagina and the vulva, or in, by the rectal rectal tissue, um, or you can just or you can get them on the cervix where you can't see them; they're microscopic. So, and just having them on the vulva doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get them on the cervix either. Okay. Um, It is reported by the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, that vaginal and vulvar cancers only affect 6 to 7% of all U.S. gynecological cancer diagnoses, and the treatment is is extremely effective if discovered early on. Okay, a woman's vulva is the outer part of the female genital area, and it consists of your labia, the two folds of skin. Vulvar cancer usually begins on the inner area of the labia, um, what's comforting is that early detection can mean a quick and um, recovery and a very good cure rate. So what are some signs of vulvar cancer? Okay, here's some signs that you can be aware of. Ulcers, sores or lumps on the vulva, bleeding, burning or itching on the vulva, pain in the pelvic area during sex or when you urinate, a rash, warts, or any type of skin changes in the vulva. Skin color changes such as redness, or if you see white patches, okay, those are things that you want to bring to your medical um, provider's attention. Here's some signs of vaginal cancer, okay? Cancer, which begins in the vagina, ladies, is naturally called vaginal cancer. Huh, hence, that's smart. The vagina, which is your birth canal, that's where the baby comes out, is the area which appears as a long, hollow tube, which begins at the bottom of the uterus and travels to the outside of the body, okay? Okay. Your cervix is located also at the end end of the vaginal canal. Symptoms, sometimes there are no symptoms of vaginal cancer in the early stages, but later the following signs may appear. Okay, so if you have vaginal things, sometimes you'll get constipation. Any change in bathroom habits such as constipation, going more than normal, blood in the urine or stool. Any abnormal showing of blood or vaginal discharge of any type that isn't normal for you. Bleeding after intercourse, pain in the area below the stomach and between the hip bones when you urinate or have sexual intercourse can also be a sign. So the best advice for you ladies to catch vaginal and vulvar cancer early on is to get to know your body and what's normal for you, okay? Any unusual changes such as vaginal bleeding, sores on the vulva, which aren't normal for you, you should be heading to your medical provider to get them checked out, you know, sometimes you can have herpes. There's a lot of other different things that you can have. You can have folliculitis. You can have infected hair follicles. You can have Bartholin cyst. Those aren't things that are cancerous, but those are all things that can happen in the vaginal area. So, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, inspect yourself, ladies, and look at your body. There's nothing wrong with that. So, some precautionary steps that you can take to protect yourself, okay, from contracting vaginal and vulvar cancer, um, can be to Check yourself, get your yearly pap smears. Um, if you are of age to get the human papillomavirus virus and it's usually offered between you know 11 and 13 years of age because they're trying to catch um, the young girls or young boys now before they've even had intercourse, okay? And that's something that parents will have to talk about with each other um, and kind of see if that is something that they want to um, do for their children. And going in and getting your pap smears done according to the recommended guidelines or for your specific history is also highly recommended. All right. So now I want to talk about this topic of cancer and sugar because I get asked this a lot. So let's dive in and see, does cancer feed on sugar? So ladies, cancer has a sweet tooth and sugar is its best friend for development and growth. Preventing cancer has a lot to do with how you live your life and what type of diet that you choose. Diets high in white sugar, high fructose corn syrup, white flour, and other carbohydrate-rich foods are highly dangerous if you are motivated or if if your body has a predisposition to cancer. Sugar is the main diet for cancer-type tumors and cells and helps them grow and expand. Your body's healthy cells feed on sugar, too. But sugar feeds cancer cells at at a rate of 10 to 12 times that of healthy cells. In fact, sugar water is used to detect the presence of cancer cells on a sugar frenzy during a PET scan. That's a PET scan. If you've ever had one or if you know of anybody else that has one, they have you drink a sugar water before you even start the test. Cancer cells also flourish in a highly acidic environment. And sugar has a pH that's 10 times more acidic than the perfect blood pH of 7.4. And we talked about being acidic and basic in a previous podcast as well. So you want to try to keep your body, you know, basic and not so much acidic. Your immune system is also affected by the presence of sugar in the system. Sugar lowers um, um, phagogenesis. A a vital immune system response necessary to maintain a healthy immune system. So it makes your immune system so that it can't function properly, okay, in layman's terms. Since sugar is in so many things we consume, it adds up to being a severe suppression of your immune system's function throughout the day. And that's whether you have um, cancer or you don't have cancer, okay? Sugar is bad for the body, consumed in large doses. Okay. So then I get asked about sugar substitutes. Sugar substitutes can negatively affect your body almost as much as sugar itself. Many sweeteners contain ingredients such as saccharin, aspartame, sucralose, which contribute to such cancers as leukemia and bladder cancer. Stevia, however, is considered one of the good sugar substitutes and is a natural herb derived from South America. And that's what I use. When looking for sweeteners, honey is a far better option. If you're going to choose something other than stevia for your health versus refined white sugar. Sugar has a vicious cycle, ladies. Obesity, like we talked about earlier, is another result of consuming too much sugar. And obesity obesity is a scientifically proven cause of cancer. Excess body fat can negatively affect the esophagus, the gallbladder, your pancreas, the rectum, and breast, and sugar feeds the developing cells. When you consume sugar, ladies, the pancreas releases insulin into the body. The breast is one of the parts of the body which contains insulin receptors and reacts negatively to the high levels of insulin being released by promoting cell growth. Okay. Too much sugar has been proven to more than double the risk of developing cancer of the breast. Added sugar in all its forms is highly unnatural to the human diet. Our caveman ancestors had access to sweeteners very rarely. And our biology has not evolved to deal with the daily inclusion of sugar, especially in the quantities we subject our bodies to on a daily basis, for most of us. Since sugar is in most everything we eat, because they want to make it palatable for you. It's best to learn to it's best to learn the hidden sugars in such items as salad dressing, canned foods and most processed foods so that you can cut down on them whenever possible. That's why I say, you know, it's best to cook your own food. That way you know what's going into them. Or if you're going to be buying prepackaged food, ladies, what do I always say? Look and read the labels. See what the carbohydrate content is. See what the sugar breakdown content is. See what the first ingredient or second ingredient or third ingredient is in that particular food because that's what's in there the most, okay? Sometimes you can be fooled on the labels that don't list sugar as an ingredient. So you gotta look for the other things, the hidden sugar such as fructose, maltose, glucose, and lactose which are simply disguised forms of sugar because the manufacturers are trying to get away with saying sugar, and they're using these other terms to try to fool you. So you must get smart about reading labels and get up to date on what these other terms for sugar are. Okay? A naturally balanced diet plan, which contains as little added sugar as possible, is best to keep cancer at bay and also to prevent other lifestyle diseases effectively. So today we talked about you know, those vaginal cancers. We talked about the gynecological cancers. And then we also talked about sugar. We just ended here on sugar on what that does. So the takeaway message for this week is ladies to, like I said, become aware, you know, examine your body from last week, do your breast exams, you know, on yourself once a month see your medical provider at least once a year to get preventative exams done and keep up on screenings. If you have a family history, then you may need to be getting some of these tests more frequently than other people. Watch your diet. Try to cut out as much sugar as possible. We can't all cut out every bit of sugar, but try to cut down on it anyways. And, you know, try to have a preventative lifestyle for any of these type of things. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as we continue on this journey, this, this next couple of weeks um, for the four female cancers and um, may the Lord above richly bless your week, ladies, and bye for now. The information, including but not limited to text, graphics, images, and other material contained in the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle podcast is for educational purposes only. The purpose of the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle is to promote broad consumer understanding and knowledge of various women's health topics. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking any new healthcare regime. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have read or heard on one of our podcasts.